Withhold not your truth or kindness, Lord. Withhold not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need to be noticed through biblical musings and conversations with special guests, experience relevant topics, and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, are you satisfied with how you spend your time, especially at work? Do you ever wonder what God has called you to do? And what does it mean to live a life of purpose? Join me as I talk with Dr. Stephanie Shackelford, co-author of the book, You on Purpose, as we talk about the common myths related to calling and how we can take notice of what God is trying to tell us regarding our purpose. Dr. Stephanie Shackelford is a senior fellow at Barner Group, primarily studying vocation and calling. In 2012, she founded a career coaching company and has since helped hundreds of students, recent graduates, and working professionals live into their purpose. Stephanie received her Doctorate of Education in Organizational Leadership from Northeastern University and her Master's in Organizational Leadership and a Bachelor's in Human and Organizational Development from Vanderbilt University, where she is also an adjunct instructor. She lives with her husband and two children in Georgia, and together with Bill Denzel, she is author of the book, You on Purpose, Discover Your Calling and Create the Life You Were Meant to Live. So Stephanie, welcome to The Notice. Thanks so much for having me here today. Well, I'm for one very excited about this topic and I heard you on another podcast, and I said, oh, I just I just got to reach out to her and see if she'll be here. And you said yes, and so now you're here, and I'm excited about our conversation today. You know, when we were children, I just struggled with this a little bit. I remember people coming up to me, even like when I was really little, and asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up? So, of course, somebody would say, be a fireman or a princess or something. And obviously, when you're little, it's cute. But in our late teens and 20s, it can almost be daunting, especially like when you're a senior and everybody asks you, what are you going to do? So tell, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your own journey in answering this question? Yes, that's definitely a question we hear throughout our lives and one that I even remember asking myself over and over. I remember sitting in high school doing my geometry homework just thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I, I didn't love geometry, so <laughs> I was trying to figure out the answer to that question. And, and, and as I started college and even into my graduate work, I uh, thought that I wanted to pursue nonprofits. I really enjoyed working with others and helping others, so nonprofits seemed like a natural fit. Uh, so throughout my time in undergrad and into grad school, I, I tried to get as much experience as I could in a variety of nonprofits, you know, big nonprofits, small ones, faith-based ones, non-faith-based, healthcare, just as much variety as I could. And while I had really great, valuable experiences, nothing really ever clicked. Um, it, nothing really felt like, oh, this is 
the niche is that's for me. Mm-hmm. And so what so happened is I took a course in my graduate studies, an elective on uh, executive coaching. And it just, that's when it really all came together. Oh, this is really how I'm wired of being able to sit with others and listen and ask them questions and help guide them. And so it was through that experience that I decided to start my own coaching business. And I um, first started working with um, high school students and college students, recent grads, helping them navigate the season I had just been through. Um, But what happened is that all all their parents started coming to me. Oh, I wish I had someone like you to work with Mm -hmm. when I was their age. Mm -hmm. And so I started to see this Mm -hmm. need that that we all have to continually ask, what's my purpose here? And so I went um, back to school and got my doctorate and um, through my doctorate work, really got to study this question of calling and purpose and vocation. And that's when I began working with the Barna Group, which is, a for those who don't know, a research organization that studies topics of faith and culture, uh, both nationally and mm. worldwide. And so um, for the last several years, I've been working on their vocation project to, to really address this question of that we're all asking of what, what am I meant to do with my life? You know, it's interesting because you said calling and purpose you know I remember when Rick Warren's book came out purpose driven life I felt like it pivoted us a little bit in the Christian circles and it wanted us to go a different direction like what it's not just about having a job or being in ministry or some it's living a life of purpose but what if we really don't have a higher purpose in our work how does that affect us Yes, I think I think we're seeing a lot of that right now as people quit their work and realize that a lot of us have been just kind of going about the daily grind without a lot of larger meaning behind our work. I think um, part of the research that we did for this book, You on Purpose, is we surveyed thousands of adults across the country to really understand what are their perceptions about work and calling. And this one stat in particular really stood out to me that will kind of address this question is um, four out of five adults believe that the ultimate goal in life is to be happy. Mm. You know, obviously we, we, being happy is not a bad thing, but as you can see through the statistic, we've really made it our ultimate thing. And the problem with that is that that's not um, sustainable. Happiness is so circumstantial and based on so many variety of factors going on in our life that to make that our ultimate goal is like trying to catch a cloud. It's just constantly disappearing. And so um, we really argue throughout the book that it's the pursuit of purpose that is so much more fulfilling. And so that's really what we need to be looking for in our work is why why am I here? Who has God placed me around? Uh, Where has he placed me? And kind of get back to those to those deeper reasons behind our work. And tell me a little bit about, okay, we talk about purpose, but how is that interlinked with passion? Mm-hmm. Do you have to have a passion in order to de- define your purpose? So the way that we talk about passion in the book is one of three things that you really need to understand about yourself to help understand your calling. We talk about understanding your propensities, so the things that you're good at, that come naturally, how you're wired about your passions and then about your pain actually and we can Mm -hmm. touch on that in a minute but the passions part 
it's not how we often think about it, um, how the world defines it, like, you know, follow your passion or, um, it's really what we're going after is understanding the deeper desires of your heart. And so mm, mm, that's good. Those you can find everywhere. And that's really, really what we say is, you know, it's one thing to really like something to be passionate, something it's another thing to ask, why are you drawn to that? What is that speaking to your heart? Mm. And it's really those underlying questions that can be found in a variety of yeah. Areas. That why keeps coming back, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, it's interesting because at 13 years old, I started playing the clarinet when I was 11 or 12. And at 13 years old, I said, this is it. This is for me. This is what I want to do. I want to be a professional clarinet player. So if somebody said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's what I said. Mm -hmm. Well, so I passionately pursued that line of work. Now, yes, I did have abilities in it and got scholarships and all kinds of things. And I actually did accomplish that. I actually am a professional clarinetist. But I didn't reach the level I hoped for. In other words, you know, the new principal clarinetist in the New York Philharmonic or something. Mm-hmm. And so my work became really frustrating for me. And I love that you talked about this definition of passion because I think what happened to me is Yes, I I finally figured out that what my passion was, was to be creative. It wasn't, I was getting caught up on how I was going to be created or creative. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And so I, I finally came to this piece that God designed me to be creative and I like to create things which are things that didn't happen before. Like I have a podcast, I write songs, I wrote a book. Those things didn't exist before I quote created them. And to be creative is to reflect our creator. So I kind of got all caught up in that. Now I'm not frustrated because I'm doing all kinds of creative things. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yes, definitely. That is, that's exactly it. So I think so many people stumble or very intentionally enter a career, hoping it will fulfill all their passions, but passions can really change over time. If you think about, you know, the interests you had 10 years ago are probably very different than the interests you have today. Maybe some of them are the same, Um, but if you try to find the underlying theme behind all those interests, I bet you'll find some similarities and that's really what we're after is what is motivating to you and your work and how has God placed those desires in your heart to really live them out and serve serve his world and that calling can change in different seasons of our life too can't it yes yes so we don't have to get caught up in that one thing right exactly um you know another statistic from the book is that um two-thirds of adults believe that there's one best fit job out there waiting for you to discover it. Mm -hmm. And that is just very, um, that's a limiting mindset. I understand why people think that we're kind of been trained to think that you pick your major, you pick your career. Then if you don't like your first job, you're just trying to be on the hunt until you find your one best fit job. But really, I think it can be so much more freeing to recognize that your calling can change throughout your life, just like we aren't static. We're constantly growing and changing. So too, your calling can grow and change as we learn new things and have different experiences and different places God puts us. And so, um, yeah, being able to just expand that, I think, offers more freedom. It's interesting because in Christian circles, of course, 
calling, you know, was often connected with a pastor or a missionary being called into full-time Christian service. But the the reality is, aren't we really all called to be in full-time Christian service, even though it what we do might not look like that? Yes, that's a great point you bring up. Even just to go to our definition of, you know, we use the words calling, vocation, purpose, somewhat interchangeably. But the way that we define that is that your calling is all of the special activities that God has created for you to perform in the world that will result in service or benefit to others. And so all the special activities, that could be your work, that could be being a missionary, or it could be how are you a neighbor, a teacher, a mom, a spouse, whatever it is. There's so many roles we play in this life. And how God has designed us to then use those to serve others. I think that's the huge point. So yes, exactly. We are called to live out our calling um, no matter where we are. And, And as believers, we all have the primary calling to be the presence of Christ in this world. Right. And so, you know, you can do that as a missionary in another country, or you can do that in your day-to-day work. And right. So, or at the drive through at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because you talked a little bit about the why behind it. On this podcast, we talk about our need to be noticed. And we talk about it, that that is a normal human need. How we satisfy it can turn sinful, but how the fact that we need it is something that's important. But how does that, do you think that could affect our decisions on what we do and our satisfaction with our jobs? For instance, if I do a really good job and no one notices, how does that make us feel like we're, we're living a life of purpose? Yes, I think we can, we try to define success for ourselves in these very specific ways. Like you mentioned, you know, being noticed or maybe getting that promotion or getting that better job title, which are all ways that we maybe strive to be recognized in our work or through our work. And instead, just recognizing that, you know, success in your calling is just taking the next step that God is asking you to take. The results oftentimes are not up to us. Yes, we try our best and our hardest and we're faithful to, to where he, we, we, we are in our calling, but we never we can't measure all the outcomes. And so I think we, we like to, we want to think we're in control of all that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. so often it's, it's out of our control and, and life rarely follows this direct of a path of, um, you know, you're at point A and you're trying to get to point B and we want it to be this straight, clear cut line and check all these boxes along the way. But as we all know, um, that's not how life works. And so really all we need is this general idea of where to head and, and God will redirect as needed. And, and it's the results are really ultimately up to him. I've really seen that in my own life, just changing different creative things I've done and how God has used me. But it's also been linked to a lot of the personal spiritual growth I've done um, and how God has healed me from certain things. You know, you talk a little bit about purpose through our pain. Can you just tell our listeners how that affects things? Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, um, understanding your passions, your propensity, and your pain are kind of the three things we talk about of understanding yourself. And this pain concept is something I've seen again and again in my research, which has surprised me. But those that we 
have interviewed and um, people that would say that they're living their calling, they all had this common theme that their pain was a significant part of pointing them to their purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, I want to be clear, this is not to say that God will always make it clear why you went through something or how he's going to use it. We only need to look at Job to know that is not always (laughs) the case. And yet there is something that we are, when we are willing to engage our stories and understand the pain that we've been through, that God can use that to help us understand ourselves and even the desires of our heart more clearly and how that can be then used to, to what that might be how to serve others or um, how God is going to use that for your purpose. And so that is a big, a big part of that. And um, this one person we interviewed, Marcus, you know, he um, was a lawyer and he went through a lot of painful things in his story and his, you know, kind of the rat race he was in, but his personal life was kind of exploding. And then that pain really caused him to redirect and refocus and and really look at his life and reevaluate. Am I, am I really living this, this life that I want to live that I feel called to? And he ended up changing course and becoming a coach for lawyers. Hmm. So um, it's, it's neat how you can see God can use some of the painful parts of our story and just repurpose them for his, his good purposes. I, I know that I've done that personally. You know, like there's, I work with uh, counseling one-on-one with sexual abuse because that was part of my pain. But it, mm-hmm. it's such a joy to work with that. But you know, there's another pain that we all have that we don't want to talk about too much. And that's the feeling of inadequacy. You know, I want to talk about Moses a little bit because Moses goes to the burning bush, right? And, and mm-hmm. God, we know the story and God says, yeah, I want you to do this. And Moses goes, but I stutter. You know, I can't do this. I'm inadequate. I can't do this. And God responds to him and basically just said, well, just tell him I am sent you. I mean, <laughs> it, in, in essence, he's saying your feelings of inadequacy, don't do they really matter? Because I'm going to just tell him God sent you. You're good. The message for me. So how does that play into all this? I love that story and think it's such a good reminder that our, our calling, you know, they're called a calling because they're from a caller. And I think sometimes we forget that. Mm, that's good. That if you feel like it's all up to us to figure this out and we forget the fundamental uh, word is because there's this caller that has this beautiful story for our life. And um, it's not this self-directed creation of who I want to be. It's really reflecting who the Lord has already made me to be. And so I think we see that even with Moses, if you even go back to Moses' story when he was in Egypt and he all of a sudden saw the Israelites and how they're being treated and he got so angry and he wanted to vindicate, he wanted to take matters in his own hands. And that's when he had to then flee and leave Egypt. And it's only after that period of time that God calls him to do the very thing Moses is wanting to do. He was wanting to stand up for the Israelite people but God took him on this different journey and God kind of had to remind him, These, this is the who I created you to be. And, and you, it's time for you to step into that. And so I think we can all, we're all gonna face times in our life when we're fearful and we feel like we can't do what God's calling us to do. And to remember if he's calling us, he's going to equip us. I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear that because 
my husband and I are partnering with another couple um, and we just bought a farm, which is so out of my comfort zone. Um, I had a dog when I was growing up, that's about it. But we bought a farm because we're going to be doing some ministry work and it's kind of redirecting things, you know, and it's like, this is not in my comfort zone. And how do you how do you work with that? Because you want to do things that you you have natural propensities to, right? Like you describe, and you want to have something that you have passion and purpose for. But what if what if you don't really feel comfortable? Yeah, well, I think that's where faith comes in, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so. good good point, Stephanie. <laughs> but I, I mean, to, to answer seriously. It kind of what I had said a little bit earlier is like we want to know the whole story and the whole picture, but that's just not how life works. Mm-hmm. And so really one thing we talk about is to just to free yourself up to just really take that one next step forward. And God will be faithful to reveal that next step. If we are seeking his will and we are in community discerning his will, oftentimes there's not this right or wrong choice. God gives us the ability to decide and he will be faithful to redirect where needed if we're faithful, faithfully seeking his voice. And so uh, when we, you know, there are going to be lots of times, especially if we're trying to live this life of purpose, that it's going to feel uncomfortable and scary. And so to just make it small. What is that one next step that God is calling you to? And to take that one step forward. You don't have to you know, necessarily think uh, 10 years down the line, let's begin where you are. Right, right. You know, in your book, uh, You on Purpose, you talk about a couple of those steps. And I'd I'd like to walk through those a little bit with you. The first one is define. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, we have this four-step process for really understanding your calling. And it's helpful because each one starts with D, so it's easy to remember. All right. The first one is define, and that is... um, really just getting honest with yourself on where are you in this journey? Why do you even want to start this journey? And if we look to the first question that God asks in the Bible, it's to Adam and Eve after they have sinned and eaten of the fruit. And his first question to them is, where are you? Mm. And I kind of um, picture my uh, toddler and playing hide and seek with me and she's behind the uh, pillows on the couch mm. and I clearly know she's there when I'm going and walking around saying where are you where are you God obviously knows where Adam and Eve are hiding right. so it seems like this is really more of a question for them to reflect for themselves you know, where are you right. emotionally where are you spiritually what what are you experiencing right now and, and I think those are good questions to ask ourselves what has prompted you to want to begin this journey and just really get honest and so we can't really begin a journey into self-discovery and unpacking our purpose if we're not really honest with where we're beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's that first step is to define. And then the second one is discover. Yes. So this is all about discovering and understanding who God has made you to be. And you know, depending on what maybe faith background you come from, sometimes um, I've seen different perspectives be a little skeptical of this like it seems very self-indulgent to be focused on self-discovery what I like to point out is that the more that we understand who we are the more that we should understand who our creator is Mm. and so he has designed us in a very specific way and we get the joy of of really understanding that and so those are those three p's 
um, you can see we like alliterations here. Um, <laughs> I talked about earlier. You're, that's all that, it's all that higher ed stuff you've been in. <laughs> Acronyms and everything. Um, so that's where you really unpack your passions, your propensities, and your pain, and really understanding who God has made you to be. So we define and we discover, and of course, this is all part of self-awareness, which, some, like you said, sometimes we think in Christian circles, well, we shouldn't spend that much time on self, but actually that awareness of what um, is happening with us is, is a way to connect better and closer with God. So the next one is decide. So now you have to make a decision. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, this is where people often get tripped up, especially when they come to me for coaching. Um, it is very overwhelming. We live in a world where... There are a million decisions we could make. There are a million paths that we, a lot of us could pursue. And so how do you actually decide? And so we talk about really the need for constraints and really un, it, this, uh, if you picture a Venn diagram, you have understanding yourself, then it's also important to understand your context and then understand your times. Mm-hmm. And so your context is uh, who you are, have, has been placed in your life, who's in your life right now, and then and also where, where are you located? And then your times are, the, you know, it's not an accident that you were born at this time in history with these things, whatever's going on in the world. And so yeah. um, what's really speaking to your heart and what's going on in the world right now. And so if you look at the overlap of those three circles in the middle is your calling. And that can sometimes be seen as being constraining, but that's actually where freedom can come from when you start to recognize, okay, this is, this is the overlap between all these areas of my life. So hopefully this gets you more focused and more niche oriented, like this is this is more specific. And then of yeah. course you've got to go out and do it, right? That's the last D, do? Yes, so um, you know, it's not, ju- not, not enough just to have or know your calling. You, if you actually want to live your calling, you have to take some action. And so that's where the do comes in, where we do talk about just taking that one step at a time. If you feel inclined towards a direction, then test it out. There's a lot of different small experiments you can do to gain experience and to understand, is this really the direction that I'm wanting to head. And so there's a lot of ways to test that that we recommend in, in the doing of starting to put your calling into action. And I love that all everything you're talking about is intentional. You are intentional and you're making this, but at the same time, we have to frame it in this big picture that God knows best, right? I kind of want to just kind of tie up our time here a little bit with one of these verses that you talk about, and that's Proverbs nineteen twenty one. Can you tell how that kind of ties into what we're talking about? Yes, I love this verse of just talking about we have many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And so ultimately, we, have, we need the courage to both choose and take steps forward in our life, but we also need the courage to surrender ultimately to God's will, Mm, kind of like what mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, Uh, how everything plays out, the success or quote unquote failure. We oftentimes don't have a big enough perspective to see, to see all that. And, and our successes sometimes aren't, aren't really what propel us forward. Sometimes it's what we think is a failure, but really that's what's God, what God is using. And so to really surrender to, to his plan and, and know that, um, He's the one that's ultimately writing this grand story for not only our life, but 
everyone's lives and how they all intertwine. And so I take a lot of comfort in that, especially when, you know, I'm, I'm making a big change in my life or something out of my control is happening um, to just be able to offer that back to the Lord. You mentioned it early, faith comes with trust, right? Because I've God's been working on me in certain areas about the difference between wisdom and trust. And wisdom is when you actually ask questions or research or be take the initiative like we're doing with with what your book does and saying, Okay, I'm gonna this is my effort. Okay, this is my effort. But at the end of the day, okay, I got to trust God for all those things that I don't know. So I can answer questions about what I do know, like like you're saying, defining and discover, decide and do. We can answer those questions. But to take it to the next level, at some point, we just got to jump, you know? (laughs) We just got to trust and you know, you recently you were mentioning that your husband made a big move, and so that's—I mean—he jumped, and he had to take. At some point, you got to trust that God knows what you don't know. And I believe—I don't know how you feel about this verse, but this verse has kind of troubled me about the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, Proverbs four twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Commit your ways to the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I kind of—I've kind of wrestled with that because I'm like, well, I commit my way. To to you and I didn't become a famous clarinetist. You know, what's up with that? And then I realized that through time, God changes my perspective and he changes me. And he says, okay, this is who I created you to be. You're still you, Susan. You're still creative. You're still musical. You're still all these things. But I want to pivot you here and I have to get comfortable with realizing that God knows me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yes, and going to your example, you know, the desire of our heart is, you know, it's not, we think it's to be the world-class musician, but it's really to be creative or to be musical or those things underneath what we think the ultimate goal is. And then I think also with that verse, it says that God will give us the desires of our heart. I think that also means that he puts them in our heart. He gifts them to us. And so I think if we, we also can see those as a gift that he has given us and, and kind of it's our joy of, the, of our life to get to unwrap that over time and to understand and get to more layers and really unpack that as we, as we engage with our faith. We serve a good God, don't we, Stephanie? We do. And I just love that he knows us better than he knows ourselves. And so I just want to take thank you today for taking the time to share with uh, the audience just just these, this work that you've done. I um, pray for you and your family as you move forward in all your new adventures. And thank you once again for being here. Anything else you'd like to wrap up and say to our listeners before we go? Oh, just thank you so much for having me here. And I think all this, these topics we've talked about are, you know, it's not something we learn just in a moment. And so to, you know, just be patient with ourselves and be gentle as we take a life, a lifetime to really learn all that God has for us. And so to be encouraged. I sat in the waiting room, waiting for my turn to see the doctor. Fumbling through my emails and social media, I was suddenly interrupted by a phone call. 
I didn't recognize the number, so I just decided to ignore it. A few minutes later, the phone rings again, but this time it was a different number, so I decided to answer it. Who's calling, I said, but there was no sound on the other end of the line. Frustrated, I just hung up the phone. What a waste of time. Who wants to take a call that doesn't produce any results? Like answering our phone, when we talk all about this calling and purpose stuff, don't we often wish we could hear from God directly? Don't we want him to say, just do this? Instead, he talks to us through a whisper, a nudge, or a thought. The struggle for us to hear him, well, it's not always clear, but the need to hear him is. We all want to know that our life has purpose and that our life matters. You know, this episode reminded me of the importance of just slowing down and taking one step at a time. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What a great reminder that each day, each hour, each moment, each breath has its own nugget of mercy. Perhaps finding our calling isn't as complicated as we make it out to be. Maybe it's as simple as no matter what we're dealing with, we're fulfilling the greatest command, and that is to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So as you reflect on what God may be calling you to do at this stage of life, I pray that you stop and take notice. Notice the mercy moments along the way. The one thing I know I hear from God and that He is calling us all to is a life of mercy. Until next time, take notes. Oh